Welcome, Nexus Church family, and Merry Christmas. Now, for many who are listening or watching today, you may have already celebrated Christmas, but it's still the 12 days of Christmas, and even if you're watching this years down the road and it's far from Christmas, today we're going to be talking about something I believe will be beneficial to you no matter what time of year it is where you're at. Now, if it is Christmas time for you, there is nothing greater than receiving a gift. Why is it? Why is it that getting a gift is so precious? So it, it like just speaks so much to you. It's because it's for you. Like when you get that gift, it has your name on it and somebody, somebody who knows you and loves you, and maybe even if they don't love you so much, they still thought of you. And we're like, man, I think he or she would really like this. The intention that you receive with that thoughtfulness attached to it for you is so incredibly valuable. Now, things have not changed in all of history. And in fact, when we read the Old Testament we read the many names that was given to what would become Jesus Christ. You see, names meant so much to people. It identified who they were. And today we're going to take a look at just two of the names that were given to Jesus Christ. What, what, what attached to him brought so much meaning to those who lived at that time. And it's so valuable to us today because it signifies still for us today what our Savior or what our King, is what they mean, does for us or is for us. He is our King. He is our Savior. And we read back in Isaiah 61, just a, a glimpse of one of these instances. And I would just like to read it to you today because this very passage is what Jesus would get up in front of those in the religious elites of the day. And on the day of worship, we call it the Sabbath day, he got up and he proclaimed this exact verse was as a prophetic word for him. This is who he was. He claimed this as his own. So listen to this powerful little sig this little piece of the Old Testament found in Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is on me. Remember, Jesus claimed this on himself. Because the Lord has anointed me. That's a powerful word. Come back to that. To bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim the liberty of the captives. And freedom to the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the day of our God's vengeance. To comfort all who mourn. To provide for those who mourn in Zion. To give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Festive oil instead of mourning. And splendid clothes instead of disrepair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord. To glorify him. So this, this tag that had the name Jesus or the Messiah on it signified a gift that would bring peace 
that would bring favor, that would bring restoration and justice for all of mankind on God's people was about to be given. And when we read the the story of the birth of the Messiah in Matthew chapter 1, we get what this name signified for them and for us. So Matthew chapter 1, we're going to read verses 18 and just a few few verses down to verse 21. So a very brief little section of the opening of Jesus' life. And then we're going to take a look at two names that mean so much more than what we attach to them today. And we'll dig into how that impacts us. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, he thought to himself, listen, he didn't want to disgrace her. So what was he going to do? He's going to divorce her secretly. But after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. So imagine this with me. I always like to to think of putting myself into this situation, right? I'm sure if you've listened to me more than once, you've heard me say this multiple times. But think of this. You are Joseph, right? Now, maybe you can reverse the role and and pretend like Joseph was Mary, right? And and you're head over heels for this other person who just happened to be Mary, right? She was younger than him by quite a few years. But you, you, you found the one. And maybe you've seen her years before, and you're, you know that, well, in this tradition, they had prearranged the marriage, but she went off in her own little world, and you went off in yours, and you came back, and you saw her, and you're like, wow, I'm so glad my parents set us up way back when. She is just beautiful. Uh, he saved up all of his money, and he bought her a ring. And he finally got the courage and asked her, to marry him on a certain day. Couldn't be happier. And of course, this was a year-long process after you asked the question or the date was arranged, whatever it looked like, right? And so imagine, your butterflies are just ecstatic in anticipation for that wedding day. And of course, in Judaism, like this was a massive celebration. Lots of things like led up to it and so much excitement, so much anticipation. And you finally get to that place where you're just about there. And all of a sudden, those butterflies in your stomach morphed into bats. When you got that dreadful news, Mary was pregnant. Who could have done it? How could this have happened? I loved you. I had so much excitement about this and the future and, and what we were going to do together. And, and I was going to, to make all these beautiful things. I'm a carpenter and I would have make a beautiful house for us. And our children would have all these things built and we could just have a wonderful life. 
and you ruined it. How could you? And then she says, well, I didn't do this. This was from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon me and, and put in me this child. Could you imagine that? Like, what could, like, how could that happen? But yet, Joseph knew enough. He was a righteous man, right? Like, he knew God's word, and he knows that God speaks in visions and dreams, and he can do the miraculous. And so he realized that maybe it could be true. Because he didn't want to disgrace her, instead of having her killed, along with the child, he would secretly sever it and walk away. And in those days, he would look like the one who was the bad guy, right? He would be the one that would have to leave. She would be left alone, a widow, kind of, in the world's eyes, maybe not in theirs, because they would know. But God knew enough. And he sent an angel. And in the middle of his sleep, as he goes to bed, angry, confused, restless, not wanting to, to end all of the excitement that he had so patiently waited for, God shows up in the middle of the night like fireworks in the sky and announces that in fact what Mary said to him was true. And in a leap of faith, Joseph continues in his commitment to his engaged wife to be. What a powerful prophecy. A devout man remembers Isaiah's prophecy that that this child that was to be born would be the anointed Messiah. And now, this Jesus, this Messiah that was to be born was going to be birthed by his Mary, his wife. And so Jesus the Messiah, are the two names given to this baby that would be born to Mary and Joseph. And today, I want to unwrap together this amazing gift with a name on it, Jesus and Messiah. And the beautiful thing is, these gifts are for you. Right? This tag with Jesus is for you. This tag with Messiah is for you to receive. So let's begin with the Messiah, our King. Now, in in Matthew's account of Jesus' life, we have the Gospels, right? The, the accounts of the apostles, the disciples, were given four different accounts of Jesus' life. And Matthew's account is the one that... that that refers to the Old Testament more than any others. And why was that? It was because Matthew was a, a, a good Jewish that wanted to connect the dots between the Old Testament and Jesus. That he fulfilled all of these predictions, all of these requirements that was placed in the Old Testament for the Messiah would be actually brought about by a 
person who was born on this earth, Jesus. And so he used it more than any other New Testament author. See, in the Old Testament, as we've come to understand, the Messiah was promised. And it seemed like forever that the people were waiting in anticipation. Now, this this word Messiah, it comes from a, a root word that really, it, 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 it signifies an anointing. It is the anointed perfect king. And it referenced the high priest when he would go out into Israel and he would bring this anointing oil and pour it over the head of the king. It signifies that God was calling this one out as the leader of his people. He was blessing him. He was calling him. He was placing on him the authority placed by God himself on the king. And now Jesus comes and he is the Messiah. Nobody else could ever fulfill that. No king could fulfill that requirement. So this root Messiah is so powerful. And then we fast forward to the New Testament and get this Christ. The word Jesus Christ. The word Christ is the Greek name for the Messiah. So in essence, you're looking at Jesus. The name Jesus is the Messiah. Right? And as we'll come to find out, we know what Jesus means as well, right? You have to wait for that one. And so, this, this, this Christ, Messiah, looked nothing like they expected him to look like, right? He came as a baby, and he was poor, but they expected this wealthy king, much like David or Solomon, right? He was patient and they expected what a, a big personality, right? One that would be this courageous, powerful, boisterous leader like Saul or David. They wanted power. And he was an advocate of peace. They expected a warrior like Joshua who would topple Rome like Joshua toppled Jericho. He built, that is Jesus, built a team of a small group of disciples. The leaders of Jesus' time expected this massive leader of, of troops of people like Moses. And he led them across the Red Sea into the promised land. You know, maybe, maybe Jesus hasn't been what you've expected of him either. So many people have turned from Jesus over the years because they expected perfect peace. That is promised in the Bible, but they were still dealing with stress. Maybe you've experienced that dream career isn't reality. You expected it, but you're far from what you thought. You're working this line job at a job where it doesn't take a four-year degree and sitting with a wasted degree and all this debt. Maybe you expected a healing, but you're regularly visiting the hospital. For many of us, 
Just like in Jesus' day in Israel. Jesus hasn't moved in the way you thought. This is going to be maybe a hard statement for some to hear today. But that's a good thing. Jesus not moving the way we expected is a good thing. Here's why. God uses the unexpected to set up the unbelievable. See, a detour can put you back on the right path. A, a person can show up in your life at the perfect time. Or a difficult season can set you up for a dream come true. So often, when we are not where we thought we should be, God is preparing us for something bigger. You see, God is always up to something big. He's always up for something big. You could look at 33 years of Jesus' life as a total waste. But then he rises from the grave, victorious. Everybody thought it was done. His life was wasted. He spent all this time with just 12 disciples. One of them abandons him. The other ones run from him. One even denies him three times. They're scattered. There is nothing left of his great ministry. All the healings. All the miracles. Forgotten. Instantly. And the ground shakes. The tomb opens up. He's gone. And he shows up. forgiveness in his eyes and says I've conquered death, I've conquered sin I've conquered the wrath of God there is now a way to eternal life for all people isn't that beautiful God is always up to something big he certainly was with Jesus which let's take a look at the name Jesus our Savior Think about Joseph now for just a minute before we get into the name Jesus. He was given an absolutely unbelievable task. Now think about this with me. I may, may never have thought about this, but he was entrusted to raise God's son. Like, if that was your job, what would you think? Like, you have one job to do, Joseph. Take care of your family. And raise my son. What? Come on. Like, this child was supernatural. This makes absolutely no sense. How in the world would you teach the Torah to the one who created it? Who spoke it into being? Right? Like, you're supposed to speak the Old Testament to the one who created it? Who spoke it and it existed? Man, that is crazy. I'm sure you've probably been in a similar situation in your life. Stuck between what God says and what you read in the Bible, right? I don't know about you, but I've read a ton of promises in the Bible that just doesn't add up in this world. Think of this one. God promises provisions, right? I'm going to provide you with everything like if i care about the sparrow that flies around or the flower that's here today and gone tomorrow how much more will i take care of you that's a promise from god but yet 
You're in debt. Pinching pennies. Can't get past just barely getting by. Or you're having to live off of food stamps or, or going to the food shelf. Just getting by. Or maybe God promises to never forsake you. Never leave you. Never, never let you be alone. But yet, you feel so incredibly alone. That nobody cares. That God doesn't care. That he doesn't see you. He left you alone. You're miserable. Maybe you've read the statement, God wonderfully made you. In the image of God, he created you. It's a promise. It's a, it's a truth. But yet you can't stop feeling insecure. And you're not enough. Joseph could relate. He believed what God said, right? Like, this is, this is what God said. I, he woke me up in a dream. I cannot deny that. And an angel was right there next to me and told me, this is the Messiah. Your fiance, that one that you're engaged to, is going to have a son. You are going to name him Jesus, which means God saves. He's the Messiah, the promised one. I can't deny that. But yet, how does this make sense? It doesn't. And knowing that was the case, the Messiah gave him that name. He commanded, Joseph said, you are to name him Jesus. So every time you say his name, you'll be remembered that God saves. Now, in case <laughs> this might be the first time you've ever heard this, I don't want to burst your bubble, but Jesus' name is really not Jesus. We've translated it, but yet in the original language, it's Yahshua, what we know as Joshua, and it means literally God saves. Of course, we know that Jesus would go to, to save the blind, to cure the sick, to raise the dead. But ultimately, Jesus came to make a way where there was no other way. Humankind had been trying since the dawn of creation to make itself right with God, and it could not do it. It fell short. It's no different today. We cannot make our way right with God. Our King, our Messiah, the one who rules over the whole world, looks down and he sees us short of the standard. And because of that, it, our relationship with him has been severed. So when Jesus rose from the grave and he conquered all of the sin that was placed upon him and he was thrown into that grave, he came out and he conquered sin. And so that now when God looks at us and we've asked Jesus to be our savior, we've given up our lives to make him our king. And we say, you are in the pilot seat of my life. You are in control and there is no other way for me to be saved from, from this disconnection from God but to make you the leader of my life. 
the Savior of my life. Jesus, the Messiah, is our King, our leader, our ruler, and our Savior, the one who saves. Today, God looks down and he has those two gifts placed in front of you. And he says, will you receive Jesus and the Messiah? Jesus, Joshua, Yeshua, the one that saves, Messiah, the King. Will you receive those two gifts? Because there is no greater gift that you could receive. And he's given it to you right there in front of you. And this isn't just a one-time thing where you say, yep, he's my Messiah. He's my Savior. I'm one and done, right? Like every day you wake up and you need to receive those gifts. Because every day, you need to be made right with God. Because in ourselves, if we go our own way, we fall out of line with God. We, we get things that come between us and God. That, that line between Him and us is severed. But when we wake up and we say, I receive those gifts. I need my Savior today. I need my King today. I need my Messiah today. We are covered. By the blood of Jesus. And all God sees is Jesus between us and him. And he welcomes us. Our God is a mighty God who loves us. Loves you. Loves you so much. He would be willing to step down from that beautiful place called heaven. To live on earth. To walk a life full of pain, sorrow, rejection, everything that he didn't create, but that came with the fall. He had to walk in it all so that he could walk with you for all of eternity. Will you receive that? Will you receive that every day you wake up and you need it? Walk in it, because when you walk in it, when you receive it every day, and you remind yourself of that powerful forgiveness and love of God, You walk in freedom. You walk in joy. It doesn't matter what's around you. You have freedom. You have joy. You have hope. You have identity. You have purpose. Jesus gives you all of those. It's part of the gift that comes when you receive Jesus, Messiah. Receive him today. Receive him tomorrow. Receive him next week and every day and every day. Father, I pray for every person listening today that they will receive that gift, maybe for the first time, but maybe for many of us, it's a gift that we've received for decades every day. God, may it be fresh for us today. May we see it with new eyes that we fall in love with you again. Not a, not a pansy love, but a deep, powerful, life-giving, full of energy and power and hope give it to us. So may we may walk in that and in turn show the world what our God is like. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Next Church family, for joining us this week and we'll see you again next week.